Want to know how Canada's top industry leaders feel about creating significant wealth in the world around them? Find out with me, Thane Stenner, founder of Center Wealth Partners at Canaccord Genuity and host of the new Smart Wealth Podcast. Available on iHeart or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now. Welcome everyone. I'm Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners of Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. And it's a pleasure to be your host today of the BNM Bloomberg Smart Wealth Monthly Podcast. Uh, today's date is June 15th, 2022, and this podcast will be released on iHeartRadio, Apple, and other podcast uh, platforms around June 25th or so. So please do look out for it and, and download it when it gets released. So let's get started. My special guest today is Mr. Som Safe. I put the Mr. in there, Som, just to make you feel like <laughs> founder of Purpose Inc. and Purpose Investments. And I've known Sam, I've had the pleasure of knowing Sam for 10 years personally and professionally. And uh, in North America, I would categorize him as one of the most innovative asset management financial services minds in the industry. And I've uh, had the pleasure of meeting a lot of very uh, bright and capable professionals in, in this field. And uh, it's my pleasure today to be actually uh, interviewing Sam uh, on a more personal, authentic note. Uh, the Smart Wealth podcast uh, focus is, you know, what I really enjoy about it, this is actually interviewing some pioneers in different industries, uh, such as, you know, we've had uh, Bruce Linton of Cannabis, uh, Cannabis King on, we've had Patricia Saputo, uh, Saputo uh, family on. Uh, along with many, many others, uh, John Ruffalo in the VC uh, sector. And so uh, having Sam uh, kind of have a chat or discussion with us today uh, is going to be a real treat because I think uh, everybody will find his insights to be uh, pretty incredible uh, in regards to the wealth management industry or the financial services industry. So before we begin officially, I'd like to uh, give you a little bit of uh, Sam's bio. He's the CEO and founder of Purpose Inc. and Purpose Investments. Sam formed Purpose uh, following the sale of Claymore Investments to BlackRock, the behemoth uh, based in the U.S., back in March of 2012. He's also the co-founder of Wealth Simple Technologies. And prior to the Claymore uh, Investments uh, build-out, Sam was also respected uh, investment banker with RBC Capital Markets based in Toronto. I, I wouldn't say respected. That's a well, little I'm bit trying to stretch it a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> he has a strong commitment uh, to the community in Ontario uh, and is currently a member of the AGO uh, Foundation Board, Next Canada Board, and uh, is the co-chair of the University of Toronto's Defy Gravity uh, Campaign and is also a member of their Industrial Engineering Advisory Committee. So once again, uh, Sam, thank you for taking the time for being with us here today. No, that's a real pleasure, Thane, and, and thanks for uh, including me in this uh, great conversation. Excellent. So let's get started. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there'll be three or four segments. We'll run through you know, 10 or 12 questions. Uh, I purposefully, uh -huh, pun intended there, I purposefully use most of the same questions on the podcast for the people that I interview because I'm really trying to, you know, create some consistency to, for the listener, but also uh, to really give them some anticipation as to what the insights might be from each guest. So I'm, I'm 
again, I'm really looking forward to today. So let's start off with Psalm. You know, what would you say are the one or two things that you're most proud of personally uh, and on behalf of your family so far that you've accomplished? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, uh, only because, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, first, you know, we, there's still so much left to do. Uh, we're still young uh, and I still feel really um, energized uh, about uh, all the things that are ahead of us. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd start with the fact that, look, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm an immigrant uh, to this country and <clears throat> I had the great fortune of a decision that my parents made um, to bring me to this country, uh, to, uh, to Canada. Uh, and, and that one decision that they made uh, put me on a course of high probability uh, than that I would have been elsewhere. Um, and, you know, it just gave me an opportunity in life to sort of pursue the things that I was able to do. And that, that's been really amazing. And I'm very proud of that, um, of that backdrop. I, I, you know, I, I sort of, it actually, uh, as an individual, I, I often, um, you know, admire what my parents did. I, I think, I think we don't uh, at least, uh, um, understand the risks that individuals take every day, uh, immigrating and picking up their families, uh, going to a brand new land and effectively building a brand new life. Um, and so that's a very powerful thing. And I think that that singular decision uh, changed the course of my life. And, and I think for, for my family as well. Um, I think, look, I, I've, I'm very proud of what I've been able to build uh, over the last number of years from a professional perspective. But more importantly, I'm, I'm proud of the, the, the decisions I've made to pursue, um, uh, you know, call it the 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 goals that I have as an individual that have led me this way, and so so yeah, I built some cool businesses. I'm proud of them. The decisions along the way that lay, allowed me to focus on um, getting to those outcomes, and so you know the uh, decision to what I wanted to pursue is in you know in, in um, engineering and at U of T originally the, the ability to push myself pretty hard in that. The, the, the decision to pursue and go after an investment banking job, the decision to leave, you know, what, what most people would say would be a really amazing career opportunity and, and uh, leave to, to take the risk of starting uh, your own business. Uh, and that was Claymore uh, without any experience. And then the decision to not, after the sale of the company, to, 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 to not just take the easy route, uh, but to rather go and do it again. Uh, and, you know, I've continued to do that. And I, I, I really, uh, I love that because it's, a lot of confidence that you know as i think forward i don't know if i'm going to make good decisions all the time but i know that my my decision thesis or my structure of my decisioning has led me in the right way in the past and and hopefully will uh, lead me in the right way in the future both professionally and and also with my family and then i'd say the most important thing uh, personally that i've ever you know i'm most proud of is my family i i've my wife and i have been together since we were teenagers uh in in high school uh, and, uh, you know, we've, um, got four beautiful young children. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, a you think about, um, uh, difficult work, um, you know, uh, you know, being a parent, uh, and raising, uh, children and learning, uh, how to be a good parent, um, is, is, is probably the hardest work. And I'm very proud of, uh, you know, the work that we've been doing, but more importantly, I'm excited about continuing to learn on that journey. Oh, fantastic. So we're, you know, Purpose Investments, uh, which is personified by you as the founder, um, has been known for being a very innovative firm here in Canada. And I would say on, on North American, even global basis. So where does that innovation gene come from? 
Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I I've been trying to hack myself to understand, you know, <clears throat> you know, how did I get this creative thought? Uh, you know, I I would say, um, you know, I've always come from uh, a couple of principles. One is, I love I, I used to um, uh, love art. I was able to kind of integrate uh, and think, you know, very creatively as a young individual. Um, actually, my 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 dream as a for most of my uh, early life was to become an architect because uh, I love design and the intersection of design and development and all that stuff. Um, I didn't pursue it because I thought, and and I you know was told by by many architects not to do it because there was no money in it, and and that's a there's a deeper story there, um, and and so therefore I actually pivoted and and went down a different path, um, but uh, that has always been something that's been a part of me. I love the creative principles. Um, at the same time, you know, I also would say that I think my parents did a phenomenal job. Um, they were very strict uh, family and, and, and individuals, but one thing they did a lot is that they, they showed me a lot of love um, and they gave me a lot of room, uh, you know, within that strict, those boundaries. And that room gave me the ability to sort of think and, and, and intersect and, and drive, but I had to, you know, pursue uh, things. And so those two things together kind of allowed me to really uh, put, uh, put this kind of ability to be creative, but also be structured and disciplined uh, around that creative thought. And then the last thing I'd say is, you know, I'd say one thing that most people don't know about me is um, I'm a, I'm a big daydreamer. And I don't mean that in a, uh, you know, I'm off in the weed somewhere. I, I, I daydream a lot. I, I run kind of sometimes different scenarios of, of life and structure and ideas in my head forward and that actually, I figured, uh, is probably one of the most important um, thinking that I do, because it allows me to start to really um, dream a little bit about ideas. And when you dream, you start to actually take um, things that sometimes look, you know, unachievable or um, somewhat irrational, and actually turning them into reality. And I think that's one thing that I've done very well. And, and I think that's been a core foundation to what's made me who I am and, and, and the way that I have been able to be as innovative I have over my career. Hmm. Excellent. So uh, I'm going to pivot to another question here. You know, a lot of people in the financial services arena would know you, uh, know your company very well. Um, and I think today uh, your company is managing 12 billion plus. Now, yeah, right? as a whole, actually just under 20 billion now. Um, so, wow. so we continue to grow rapidly. Wow, it's fantastic. Um, and not a surprise. Uh, what do you think? I want to have a little fun question here. What do you think the public knows you best by? <laughs> this is an easy one. Uh, I think most people will, uh, know me as the, the the guy on the Air Canada ads. And, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> this was something that we decided to do. I decided to do many years ago. And I would say it's been uh, very positive uh, in terms of our brand building. But it's also led to uh, uh, always the funny uh, sort of I when I get up on, on a plane uh, at the end of a plane ride. But, um, you know, I'd say that's a, that's a pretty common uh, introduction that I get, uh, you know, is the guy from the AR Canada ads. But, you know, I, I'm OK with that because I think yeah. we, we time trying to build that brand and, and using that uh, that medium to, to build a, uh, a sort of a trust factor and awareness factor to what we're doing. Well, you got a captive audience, people sitting down in an airplane seat, right? Looking, uh, looking at you. So this is good. Um, so, you know, you've had at least one liquidity event that I'm aware of, right? You sold Claymore after building it up very successfully. You were kind of a pioneer in the ETF industry in Canada. 
uh, and, and North America for that matter. And uh, BlackRock came knocking. So you, you had a liquidity event, you sold the business. So just walk me through, why did you sell the business? And then kind of what re- re-energized you to kind of restart purpose? Yeah, uh, so I actually don't look at it as a positive to have a liquidity event. Um, and, and specifically at that moment was actually quite a negative. Um, so I had uh, started Claymore when I was 28 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, frankly, you know, was naive and, and built this business, but but I had some partners in that business. And, you know, we went through some different ups and downs as partners. And ultimately, you know, it came down to as, as I'd been building a, a really cool business and a really great business. We grew the business from zero to $8 billion, fastest growing company in Canada and in the asset management industry in history and really cool. However, you know, our partners, which were American, um, they wanted to take the money off the table. And we tried to figure out ways that I could take them out but we just couldn't. And ultimately price got to a, such an unbelievable level um, that, uh, you know, it made sense to, to sell. The reality though is um, at the, I, I was very upset. Um, I, I was like, personally and emotionally, I was like selling my baby. And, um, you know, I had a really deep chip on my shoulder uh, and anyone who was around me and knew me, my wife specifically would have, you know, known, like I was wound up, you know, struggling around that period. Just, you know, what, like, how could this happen? How could I, you know, let go of this? I just had such an energy and excitement about the next five to 10 years and building Claymore. And so to me, the logical decision was I wanted to build my business. And in fact, you know, within 30 days of selling the, the or the closing of the transaction to BlackRock, I had the business plan for purpose and, you know, all the things we've been doing um, set on a, on a whiteboard. Um, but one of the things that was really important to me in the moment is I actually did realize that I wasn't in the call it mind start right away. So even though I had the business plan, I kind of said, I need to get out of here. I need to get this, um, this, this chip off my shoulder. And more importantly, I need to make sure that if I'm going to build a new business, that I'm going to do it because I truly want to do it. Not because I feel I have to do it, um, uh, because of this, because uh, of the way that uh, Claymore ended for me. And so my wife and I, uh, and, and at the time we had two kids, uh, we, we went away. We went away for three months. We left and actually it was um, such an amazing period. But one of the things I did was I took my BlackBerry um, and I turned it off, meaning that no one could call me, no one could email me. Um, I had no signal. And for three months, I had two phone calls uh, back to Canada other than to my and things like that. And, um, and that was pretty liberating. It's funny when I was away, I didn't think much about this. I didn't think I, you know, I was thinking about ideas for names and so on and so forth. But when I landed back in Canada, we then spent the last uh, month out in Nova Scotia, which is a, uh, for many people who know me is a very dear uh, place for me. Uh, we have a, we have a family home there um, that, that I love. And, and when I'm there, I, 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 you know, kind of somewhat uh, go to who I really am as a, as an individual, I don't, you know, shed a lot of the, the, you know, this, um, uh, this, uh, the, the obligations that you have in, in, you know, kind of the business side of things and you really become a family person. But anyways, um, I was there and, and I remember my wife videotaped um, me on the beach and I was pacing back and forth. And for the, you know, when I got into Canada, I just had this, you know, like, my, my heart rate started to go up a couple of beats and just felt this energy about, you know, I'm here now I'm back. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to get going. And, um, and I realized that I was just really excited about building this new company and building this business and really continuing on. And, 
you know, effectively, uh, I registered the company while I was there and, uh, and, and the rest is history. I started the company several months later in January of 2013, and I haven't looked back and it's been a pretty amazing experience, but I did that time off gave me the ability to make the decision that I was doing it for the right reasons. And not just because I, um, you know, had some emotional attachment. Hmm. Well said, thank you for sharing that. Um, so one last question for the segment and then we'll take a, a brief break. Has this, you know, when you went through your first liquidity event and even up till today, have you found that, you know, an increased level of wealth, has it shifted your thinking personally? Um, do you do you think about money differently? Do you think about striving for different reasons? Uh, your philanthropic uh, ideas come to mind? Just some oh. One hundred percent. I mean, look. First and foremost, um, uh, you know, I'll answer it in a few ways. One is um, I made the comment earlier that I didn't pursue the architectural uh, path because of um, a lack of earning money, and I thought when I was a young kid that money was really the the number one goal I had was to earn a lot of money, and that's because I didn't come from money. We we were, as I say, we we grew up um, uh, in a really wonderful family structure, but I didn't have money, and so I always dreamed about it, and and. Um, but, but that actually hit me hard when I was 25 uh, and I had a very specific moment in my life where I realized that um, money was not the thing that was making me happy. I was a young person making good money as a, you know, and as an investment banker. And I kind of had to, I had a little bit of a early life crisis to say like, this isn't the goal to drive you. And, and that was the moment that I realized that like, what is it that actually truly energizes me? Because I was still, you know, I, I was still energized as an individual. And uh, it was around progress. It was about ideas. It's about seeing the things that I had um, developed and, and, and the things that were in my mind uh, moving forward. And, 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 and you can trace that back to why I wanted to be an architect. You know, call it that was more of a actual literal um, idea of seeing the things you develop um, uh, in real execution. But it was the same in, in, in business and others. And that's, that's what really always drove me. Um, so money has not been a driving force for me. Uh, and because money has never been something that's important to me in that way. Um, you know, I always sort of said, once I have enough, that word is an important one, then I don't really need to work for money anymore. I need to work for something else. And frankly, when we, when we sold Claymore, I now had more than I'd ever uh, call it had enough needed for enough, the word enough. The problem was, um, you know, then you sort of look at it and say, I and mean, there's two points. One is what does the word enough mean anymore? Because uh, that does get, and that for many people changes. And I think you have to be very, very disciplined. And two is, um, you know, I had to sit back and say, okay, why do I do what I do? And, and I realized that I actually don't work for money today. The only reason I earn, you know, uh, any value of money is because I want to give more away. And this is a really powerful thing. And, and so over the last decade, as I've been building um, purpose and, and and the other businesses that I've been really involved in and driving, what I really focus on now is okay. What what does this mean? What does this now give me the capability to do more of or have a greater impact on in society than I would have had uh, before? And that's what really pursues me. Every dollar that I make today is is a dollar that I plan on giving back meaningfully uh, and 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 multiplying back into society. And so that's really what drives me more than anything else. Thanks, Sam. Uh, so let's take a quick break. I'm with Sam Safe, founder of Purpose Investments and Purpose Inc. So uh, please join us uh, coming back here in a few minutes. One moment. Thank you.
Want to know how Canada's top industry leaders feel about creating significant wealth in the world around them? Find out with me, Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at Canaccord Genuity and host of the new Smart Wealth Podcast. Available on iHeart or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now. Hello, I'm Thane Stenner. I'm back with Sam Safe of Purpose Investments on uh, June 15th. Uh, hope everybody's enjoying the interview so far. I certainly am. Wanted to uh, continue with some, some insightful questions of Sam and... Uh, really uh, get more into the meat of, of uh, the discussion here. So, Sam, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have accomplished a lot already. Uh, and I know as a philanthropist, you've also done the same. Uh, what would you say so far has been the toughest challenges in your life, either personally or professionally? And, you know, you can kind of go wherever you want on this on this question. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, uh, <laughs> Every life, uh, every every everybody's journey is, uh, as you know, not a straight and up and to the right journey. And um, you know, one of the things I love, by the way, doing is reading uh, about other people's um, journeys. It's one of my favorite types of uh, stories is to read autobiographies um, because they teach you a lot about um, individuals, uh, the resilience to uh, challenges that they face, the ups and downs of those challenges, the failures. The decisions they had to make, um, uh, and and you know every successful person, if you look at them, and any anybody, frankly, has a, a real story behind them, uh, and it's actually something that I would say that I've tried to become much more attuned to is that like, you know, in life, whether it's my team, my 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 uh, you know that I work with every day, that they have lots of stuff going on in their lives and lots of history that they don't always bring to, to work or they don't bring to the environment that, you know, the conversation that you're dealing with them on. And you have to respect that. Um, and I really, I really have learned to try to respect that. Um, I think for me, you know, look, I, I think, as I said, um, you know, my, I'll start with the fact that uh, my name is Psalm safe. Like, you know, I, I, I it's, it's a, uh, it's not a very conventional name. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, um, uh, a white person, you know, coming from a, a, a long, a big background, I had to build my own kind of presence, but I would say actually I turned that into a positive. And why? Because um, you know, when when I th- just a very simple thing, when I think about um, all the luck that has gone in my career, you know, I think that actually standing out and looking different actually is an advantage. And I've used it as at least I've used it as one. And so, um, you know, when I think about uh, you know the, how I got a resume, my resume through to get an interview to then get an accepted or a job in uh, at RBC, you know, after I was there and I saw the thousands of resumes that people had to go through to get to the sort of one or two that they would ultimately give an offer to, that process was very difficult. But I actually think that the fact that my name was different, um, that I have a different background, actually allowed me to stand out. And so I've always thought of that as a advantage and then use that in my life. And I think so, you know, although others might look at it as a challenge, I look at it as how do you turn a challenge into an advantage? I think that's one thing. The second thing I would just say is that my, my style as an individual is, is very unorthodox. And what do I mean by that is that like, I really, when I see something that I don't believe makes sense, I want to change it. And I'm, I'm willing to stick my neck on the line out there and look different than everyone else um, for a lot for a long time, while other people might be critical, might not agree, uh, might not feel that that is the right thing to do. But I, I, if I fundamentally believe it's the right thing to do, I will stand out and 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 fight for that future state uh, for a long time. 
And, um, and that is something that I've had to, you know, uh, overcome through everything from starting my first business Claymore, which remember at the time, like ETFs, uh, you know, today everyone thinks about ETFs and, and is part of everyone's psyche. But back then it was such a small idea. No one really thought much about it. It's specifically what I was doing, which was trying to tell people that, you know, you can actually do better uh, by being more thoughtful about the way you construct things. And so whether that's, you know, that that stage or whether it's crypto today, whether it's what we've done on the retirement and longevity side, whether it's, you know, any innovation that we've ever done, you know, I've had so many naysayers, people that sort of try to tell me that, you know, that's not the right way to think, or, hey, why are you doing that? That's way out there. And I've always said, because we need to do. And so I'm willing to sort of fight that or overcome that inertia that settles into industry. And then from a personal perspective, I will say I had a, uh, a health issue about six years ago um, that, uh, you know, really hit me hard. I, I almost uh, uh, died and, um, and I'm lucky, you know, to some of my, to my wife and to others around me that, that helped me. Um, but that moment in my life um, was really important it, it, for about three, four months. Uh, you know, I was out of the business. I was, you know, really focused on getting better as an individual you know, I've had a uh, a challenge uh, individually from that. You know, and and uh, that I lost all the cartilage in my ankle, and therefore I don't walk the same. I couldn't do the same activities. I played water polo for twenty five years and had to stop and couldn't, and all these things. And and I had to adapt my life uh, to this new reality. And and frankly, um, you know, although I look at it and and the thing that I always say is that's not. I mean, yeah, it was it was a moment in my life, but I lived, and and that's the most important thing. And the second thing is that like. Frankly, every day I see other people going through, you know, challenges that are 10x uh, bigger and more important than, than that. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really sort of I, I look at it and say, my, my problems are small. And so, um, you know, look, everyone has their challenges in life. And, and I think that this also makes me realize the importance that every day matters. Every day is, uh, is a day to do something really profound and amazing. And most importantly is respect everybody else's uh, life because they're probably going through challenges that are 10 times worse than yours. And no matter how bad I think my life is at any moment in time, um, you know, I could probably find, uh, you know, 90% of people that would take my problems uh, over theirs. Well said. So let's pivot to, you know, we both are in the wealth management financial services business and have been so for a long time. So, you know, today's June 15th. 2022, just to watermark that. What's your thoughts on the markets today from where you sit? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been in the markets. Um, I've been, you know, my started my career in 99, uh, you know, went through the craziness of the early tech, the tech bubble up. And then, of course, the crash for the next number of years, you know, saw, uh, built my first business, uh, Claymore. Um, and, and the early years were right into the thickness of the 08 and 09. Uh, uh, and, and then, you know, of course, through the last number of years and then, and then the pandemic, you know, difficulties of 2020. And, and frankly, you know, one of the things that the tenets that's been core to me is that, um, you know, I, I am very attuned to what's happening. I try to understand what's going on, try to create a mental model uh, from that about how to act and, and, and where to be prudent and where to be aggressive and all the rest. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, as, a, as a participant in this market, you have to recognize the markets are, um, you know, out of your control. And, um, and what you can control is the only thing you can do. And so, you know, this market environment, um, yes, it's scary, but it's sort of what we have to be uh, understanding is real. Like um, that, you know, markets go up and down. They don't just go up and to the right, as I said. 
And if you fundamentally have um, core assets that you believe in that are good, that you don't use leverage um, and you don't um, call it, put yourself in a position where somebody else can control your outcome, that you are uh, positioned and diversified properly, that you know these are just moments in, the, in your journey as an investor. And so that's the kind of stuff that really kind of grounds me, found my foundational thinking. I would say though, um, as I don't now pivot to the specifics of this environment, um, you know, I do think that, uh, I, and I've been saying this for a while, that I do think that um, you know our industry and many of our participants and many investors have just never witnessed inflation in a real way. And um, it's actually one of the challenges that I, I, I think that, that made me build purpose was that I felt that the majority of our industry itself properly for the real risks that we faced over a long and during multi-cycle investment process. And um, specifically that, you know, people had settled into this idea that, you know, fixed income is protecting you when, you know, markets are bad and, and equities make you good returns in the long run and everyone's happy with that. And I said, you know, what happens when actually interest rates go up and, and they result in the fact that bonds and equities actually decline together? And that's what we're seeing today. And I, I just think that uh, for many uh, you know, people, we just don't understand the nastiness of what inflation can be. And, um, and that's really, I think, what's causing the uncertainty today is that you know, there's, there's really no yet clear um, view on what the future state of inflation will be. Not to say that it's going to be 12, 15%. I don't believe we're going to go back to you know, that kind of inflationary environment. But there is a meaningful difference between 3% and 5% long-term inflation. And, um, and, and we don't know yet where inflation will settle in. And until that gets done, it's going to be extremely hard for the markets to have built a forecast model on what the mar- you know they should be pricing thing- assets based on. And so we're going to see a lot of volatility, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of you know call it looking for guidance, whether it's from the Bank of Canada, you know Federal Reserve, you know the government, whether it's from your local advisor or friends. Everyone's looking for um, call it some kind of guidance. And, you know, that guidance is also uncertain. And, and so, you know, I think that that's resulting in the market's substantial, uh, um, uh, you know, uncertainty and risks right now. And so I think volatility is, is high. Um, I do think that these are the moments, though, that we should be taking advantage of. And so what do I mean by that? If I think about wealth creation, yes, you can always win uh, in the long run. You destroy wealth. By, by being and panicking in these types of moments, by selling when, when you, know, you shouldn't be and losing sight of that long-term plan. But you also can use these opportunities as, as really strong wealth creators too, which is that actually when other people are panicking, that you can actually do the opposite. And you know, I, I think we always applaud people like Warren Buffett and others you know, who have had, you know, long tenured experiences of building strong wealth and of course, and, and doing disciplined investing, but it's actually, it's moments like this, that people like Warren Buffett actually shine. It's not when everyone else is winning that Warren Buffett shines. It's actually these moments. And so it's actually the time for us to step back and say, you know, be very disciplined and say, you know, this is actually a moment to, to take advantage of over the next number of months to be a winner out of this uh, over the next three to five years, uh, as opposed to uh, panicking and going the opposite way. Excellent. So, uh, you know, we, we deal with investors that are, you know, have 10 million plus and, and much higher kind of our specialty. And one of the things I guess I would ask of you is, let's just pretend uh, if you had $10 million to invest today, 
what would Psalm Safe do it do with it? Sectors wise, you don't have to, you know, get too specific. But what would you what would you how would you be applying your thinking to deploying that today? So uh, I think first and foremost, I would always start with um, my my foundational principles, which are, you know, a well diversified, long term, enduring portfolio um, that uh, that was positioned um, to you know um, be resilient both in good and bad times, and you know was positioned on on good fundamental assets. Um, that's that's going to make up you know 80, 80 percent of whatever I do, and 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 that'll always be the foundational thing. Uh, but I will always try to leave a little bit of space for that creative long-term thinking. And so what are the areas that I think that are really fascinating? You know, I still believe that there are opportunities for investors over the next you know, decade in, a, you know, big trends and opportunities. So I, I still think that technologically uh, there's going to be some really meaningful change in, in, in things like uh, blockchains and crypto. I think there's going to be really fascinating and amazing opportunities with you know, areas around um, alternative and uh, not energies, but but broadly, you know, renewables and, and alternative opportunities like that. I think there's going to be really fascinating opportunities when you start thinking about agriculture. Uh, continue. I mean, the stress that we're seeing today is continuing to be a challenge. So I would be trying to deploy opportunistically areas that I think over the next decade, um, you know, you want to be positioned into. But it comes off the, the the core of my business and the core of my portfolio always will be in some foundational long-term thing that I never actually have to think about, that I never have to worry about, that won't keep me up at nighttime. And uh, the 20% would be in things that I think I fundamentally believe in, but I wouldn't, again, sweat about. I'd have to, you know, if, if it went to zero, it'd be okay. And frankly, if it, it also um, it paid off, it'd be also okay, but it's not going to change my life. Gotcha. And as an entrepreneur yourself and as a business owner yourself, um, you know, having, you know, created significant wealth, you know, through Claymore and now through Purpose, I guess, uh, you know, maybe speak to having partners, strategic investment partners, which you do currently. So comments on that? I think partners uh, is one of the most important things you can do in life uh, and in, in business. And, um, but choosing them right is critical. And I think this is something that uh, most people don't appreciate. I mean, whether it's, you know, thinking about someone you're going to, you know, go and found a business together with, uh, whether it's your life partner, whether it's your, um, your, your, your social partner, people that you go and do really cool things socially with, um, it's really critical early on in those partnerships to establish not what people's short-term goals are, but really what their long-term goals are and what their values are. And I've seen this. I mean, you know, uh, people come together, they're energized, they're excited about something, but people change and, um, and, and, and their lives change. And so their goals change too. And this is oftentimes what, of course, creates uh, challenges in, in, you know, personal relationships. It's what challenges with friendships, it challenges with people's, uh, you know, call it partners in business, is that, you know, they haven't thought through as those things change, which are, you know, realities, how will our partnership change? And so I always believe that it's really important early on to have those difficult conversations. Um, and it actually makes you stronger. But but I believe in partnership. I believe in, I mean, I'm one of these individuals that um, I, 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 you know, my word is my bond. When I say something, I, I never, I can't back out of it. I, I just, even if it's a bad deal, it doesn't matter. I've just always believed that, you know, that's something critical. My reputation, my, 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 my word is so critical. Um, and it goes to all parts of my life. And so, 
Um, but but when you have the right partners who think the same way and act the same way and, and are honest and, and true, then then you can do some amazing things together. You know, I have a a group of people that I'm I'm really close with. That uh, it's it's a cycling club that I'm a part of. They're called the Les Domestiques. And it's a, a really amazing group of people that love to get together and, and we love to cycle, of course, but we also love to do really good things in community. And, and I'll tell you the power of partnership in, you know, kind of doing really exciting things and cool things together. And the, the power of the scale of that partnership is I see it every day, you know, and, and I love that. And so, so this is, again, You've got alignment of, of a group of people that come together. Um, they have a love for certain things, but they also have a love for causes in the community. And when we do things, we do them together and, and you know, we multiply each other's impact and the outcomes are, are profound. And, and I think that the wave that that group is having, uh, you know, um, is compounding every single year. And we're seeing that now, now more and more. And I, I, you know, it's something I'm very proud of. And, and, and it just goes to show that I think, you know, you got to, everyone can do it on whatever scale and, and size that they want to do this in. But, but when you have the right people around you, you can make a really meaningful, big long-term impact. Hmm. So uh, I'm not going to assume I know the answer to this, but I, I have a funny feeling I do. Um, do you believe in mentorship and who've been, if you've had mentors, who have they been? Yeah, I, I it's a, it's a really great question. So, so I would say I've never, I don't have, any one person that I kind of sat on their lap and they told me the, the wise ways of the world and kind of coattail off that. Um, but, but I really do believe in mentorship and there's two ways that I've done it. One is again, by, by observing. Um, so I, I uh, love watching other people all through my career, whether it was walking into a meeting with somebody and, and sort of observing the way the habits that they uh, did and, and, and then sort of saying that that was the kind of thing that actually had an impression on me. And therefore that, that, that's the kind of thing that I should embody all the way to, um, you know, just watching really amazing people around me, uh, and, and, and seeing the kinds of activities, the types of values they live and, and the types of things they do, and then admiring those, uh, and trying to embody them. Uh, but at the same time, second is I've also, um, tried to surround myself with people that I can, you know, have real honest and open conversations about. So, you know, uh, this ability to kind of this person, open person, tell people what's on my mind, what the challenges I'm facing, and then be able to have people to truly give me deep thought and insights to help me um, kind of develop my thought process and my own personal uh, um, views of how to think forward. And so, you know, that's the sort of mentorship that I've tried to build around me. And I've, you know, luckily, knock on wood, have built a really strong network of, of really amazing friends and people that I can trust to have those types of conversations with. I'd recommend for you know anybody who's thinking about mentorship is that you, you know I think it's a really important thing to have great friends or people that you can build those types of conversations with. And second is that um, you know have somebody who else who cares about your career, your life, and pushes. Great. Uh, one of my great friends has always said this really amazing thing that's stuck with me, which is that you as an individual are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, um, and that, what does that mean? It means that um, the people you spend the most time with are going to set the tone for your uh, pursuit, your life. And, you know, if you spend time with people who, you know, are, don't, don't, don't have a lot of energy, don't like to, to pursue things, then that ultimately is at the are. And, and frankly, if you're, you know, the, the most overachieving or most um, sort of energized individual in your group, 
then you're actually being held back by others. Whereas if you spend the time with others who are always pushing you, always you can look up to, you can you know help you think about you know what else can we be doing, what else can you be doing? You strive for more. You're going to push yourself more, and I think that's a very powerful way to think. And so you know it starts with the types of people you put around you, and and then you know what you ask of them, and the types of openness you have as an individual to you know to get and collect information uh, to help you guide yourself uh, through those relationships. Hmm. Excellent. Um, so maybe share something about yourself that probably nobody except for maybe your wife knows. about. You. <laughs> um, well, I mean, first and foremost, as most people would not know this, uh, uh, but I am actually not a very social person. Uh, so, so I, uh, I really am. A, uh, I, I like to be alone. Uh, I like to be with my family. Uh, I like to be in my own head. As I said earlier, I, I do a lot of daydreaming. And, and so I get caught in my own head a lot. And I enjoy that. And um, whereas most people would think that because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, running around, I do a lot of uh, speaking, I do a lot of, you know, meetings, I do spend a lot of time with a lot of people that, that I like that as a social element, I actually don't. And, and so that's really important. My wife, uh, my wife and I have been together since we were kids, and, and we've grown up together. And, and she knows all those deep elements about who I am and, and, and such. I think, um, you know, aside of that, look, you know, I, I, I played water polo for 25 years and, uh, you know, or actually more than that. And uh, it's something that was deeply embedded in my life. It's been a really important thing. And so most people wouldn't know that about me, but, uh, you know, I, I was a sport that I, I really, uh, it made a, it made a big impact in my life and uh, became something um, that, that made me develop a large part of my character set. Um, uh, the relationships I have, the types of leader I am, the type of teammate I am, all those things that really meant that the type of competitive uh, uh, kind of thinking I have. Um, and so that's been a really important thing for me as well. Excellent. So let's just fast forward 10, 20 years. What are you hoping your kids think about you as their dad? Uh, you know, I think a lot about this question. Um, and actually it's sometimes... Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always nervous because I always want my parents, sorry, my kids to see me as this hard charging, you know, ambitious, you know, I work hard, I do all these things. And I want, cause I want, you know, I always felt that that would, um, bleed into them. And it's because I always looked at my parents and I saw them hustling all the time to put food on the table, to work hard. My, my dad was, uh, always running around. Uh, my mom worked, you know, um, days and nights, and, uh, you know, I saw, I saw that as like, that's what you do. And so I want my kids and I always felt that that was going to be important. What I've realized as I've matured even more is though that um, the most important thing that I can be is a good person around my parents. kids. Uh, and, and it's the way I treat other people, the way I talk, um, the types of uh, decisions I make around them, um, the, the way I'm present. Uh, those things are, are actually more valuable I think to my kids yeah, than then me being seen as like someone who's just hard charging and successful, but ultimately not around. And so I've really tried to pivot a large part of that thinking um, with the thanks of my, my wife, who's helped me kind of realize it because she's, she's seen both sides of me uh, and she's seen the, the, the sort of the, the dilemmas I've gone through. Frankly, when I sold Claymore, I, you know, one of the factors in me going back and really building the business was because I was worried that like, if I just sat around and was more present around the house and wasn't working as hard that my kids would, you know, they would see that and they, because they, they were young at the time that that's what they, all they'd know. 
And she was, she's like, no, you know, so you're being so silly. So, so she's been very helpful in, in helping me think through that. But um, I just, you know, I really want them to see me as a person of strong values, um, someone that uh, is a good person that treats other people with respect, um, no matter where they're from, what they do and how they act. I just always believe that it's important. And, um, and that, you know, they can be amazing people themselves. And, uh, and they also can pursue their life uh, to be, uh, you know, whatever they want it to be and, and, and live the life that they want to live. Well said. Well, that is actually my final question of you. I kind of, uh, instead of breaking up into different segments, we were on a good flow there. So I figured uh, we'd do it this way. But thank you, Sam, for taking the time today to share your insights and uh, be uh, open and transparent and authentic. And uh, so with that in mind, uh, thank you once again for attending and for everybody that's listening today. Thanks, Thane. And, and look, I, I really think it's great that you're doing this. And, and more importantly, I uh, appreciate you taking the time and uh, the depth of the question. So appreciate it. Most welcome. Well, that was Psalm Safe, uh, the founder of uh, Purpose uh, Inc., Purpose Investments, uh, based in Toronto. Uh, absolute pleasure kind of interviewing him today. And um, please uh, do download this interview uh, June 25th or so when it becomes available. And um, I think this is going to be a really popular interview. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, Thane Stenner here, uh, BNM Bloomberg Smart Wealth Podcast. Enjoy. Uh, talk soon. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by Stenner Wealth Partners. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp. and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice, and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Can Accord is a member of the CIPF.